Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Untold Story podcast. This is sort of a special edition that we do from time to time where we help you get to know some of our reporters a little bit better, and we like to focus on the things that you might not know about them. And I'm thrilled to be joined today by Aisha Hasney, who is one of our best and brightest reporters here at Fox, and we're so thrilled to have her with us today. Uh, you've seen her, obviously, at the border. You've seen her reporting from Poland during the Ukraine war. You've seen her work on Capitol Hill, of course, and, um, you know, it sounds kind of silly to call you a rising star. I think you're already a star. So um, it's it's great to have you with us, Aisha. Thank you for being here. Thanks. I appreciate it. So let's talk a little bit about what people might not know about you, because you were born in Pakistan Mm -hmm. and in between there and here. Um, were raised in Indiana. Yeah. So, so give us a little sense of, of your, your background and your life. Sure. So my family and I moved here in 1990, and we moved to Illinois first. Uh, my uncle and aunt sponsored us. Uh, he was a physician in the Navy. So um, we came that way, and um, we lived there for a little while. My father discovered that um, none of his degrees from Pakistan really meant anything here, so he had to start all over again, went back to um, school, and got his undergrad degree and became an engineer. And that brought us to Indiana. He works for General Motors now. He builds cars. And um, I grew up in southern Indiana. I call that home. And I feel like I really still carry with me all those southern Indiana values. Yeah. So how old were you when your family decided to move from Pakistan and what prompted that decision? Yeah, I was just six years old. I mean, I was um, in first grade when I first moved here and it was all about education for my parents. It wasn't economic issues. It wasn't um, escaping political strife, although Pakistan has issues with both. Um, It was really all about getting the best schooling in the world. And my parents knew that at some point they wanted us to go abroad for school, whether it was going to be now or maybe for college. So my mom and dad looked at each other and thought, let's just try it. Let's go for it. So we sold everything, including all my Barbies, Martha. Um, oh, that's terrible. I was maybe, very you know, upset I think about. they're pretty highly available these days. <laughs> if they you are. want a new one, I think yeah. you can probably get your hands on yeah. one. So I was six and I um, went to an English speaking school in Pakistan. But when I got here, my gosh, everyone spoke very, very fast. So I used to um, run out of my classroom and go find my brother's classroom and go sit with him and cry because I just couldn't understand people's English. I just, it so took you me were a while. First grade? First grade. Yeah. yeah. So did you speak any English when you were just you know, a little four, bit? Five, six. Were you exposed to it? At I all? was. I went to a British school in um, in Pakistan. And so we, were, we learned English and we spoke it, but not fluently. Not like mm-hmm. we, I speak it now. You so sound <laughs> a lot like you, you sound like you're from Indiana, which is where you're yeah, from. Yeah. Sometimes that drawl comes out. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things that's interesting to me when I look at the things that you're involved in outside of work, the UN mm-hmm. refugee uh, efforts. So it feels like you make an effort in your own life to sort of hang on to both mm-hmm. of your cultures. Um, talk to me a little bit about what that means to you and how yeah. you live and act on that. 
Yeah, it really made sense for me to work with the UN Refugee Agency. I'm on the board for the nonprofit arm here in the U.S., and we're actually having a board meeting tomorrow. Um, it made sense because my grandparents were refugees on both sides, uh, my mother and father's. Um, when partition happened and the British left India, um, there was a lot of strife, and uh, it was very bloody. And my grandparents uh, lived in what is now India, and uh, they're Muslim, and they didn't want to leave. They they had a really great life. My my grandparents on my father's side were aristocrats, and they had a lot to lose. So they waited until the very last moment, until their neighbors came to them and told them, look, people are dying and being murdered, and you have to get out of here. So they left in the middle of the night, and um, it was hard and difficult, but they started all over again. And what's crazy, Martha, is I never even knew what the word refugee meant, or I'd never even heard it until very recently because my family never perceived themselves as victims or as people needing somebody else's help, even though we were. So they started all over again um, and my grandparents had 11 children. My dad's right in the middle and somehow we're able to send each and every one to college and now we have physicians in the family and engineers and everyone's incredibly successful and it's a real testament to my grandparents and and really what they fought for so um, i wanted to be involved with helping other people in the same scenario get back on their feet and that's really what we do it's not just about talking about that horrible story that's a big part of their lives but it's about getting them back on their feet and getting them to feel like a normal citizen again. Yeah. You know, when the Middle East has been changing, obviously, it's always changing, but very dramatically in recent years, you see what's happening in Saudi Arabia and many opportunities for women opening up there. Um, and we see sort of the difficult relationship that the administration has, I think it's fair to say, with, with Israel. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what are your thoughts? What do you want people here to understand that, that you see from perhaps a slightly different perspective? Yeah, I think uh, I would love for people to know that the broader Muslim community around the world is very unique and different and mixed wherever you go. It's something different. Saudi Arabia is obviously very different from Pakistan. I never wore a head covering growing up um, where people have to in Saudi Arabia. I think, um, you know, everyone has um, different ideas of what Islam means to them. I certainly do have a different idea than what it means to my parents even. Um, and, you know, it's always interesting to me just to see how people um, you know, think about themselves when it comes to religion and where they are from what part of the world. But at the end of the day, everybody just wants uh, the best for themselves and their children. Everybody wants a, a safe place to live. Uh, they want a good job that pays well and they want, you know, um, good health. So those are the things that are, those are the themes that are common in the Muslim world. But politically, you couldn't be any different. I mean, Indonesia's wants and needs politically are very different from Saudi Arabia's or, you know, Pakistan's. Yeah. Um, is it important to you to, do you go back to Pakistan often? Yeah. Um, and is it important to you to maintain family ties Absolutely. there and you want your own family to spend time there? Absolutely. We used to go every summer when I was growing up because that was the longest vacation break mm -hmm. we had. So, and tickets are expensive. So my parents would drag us back to Pakistan and we'd be there for three months at a time and all the kids would look at each other and think, "Why? what are we doing here? Why are we here? Like, we want to be back in America. But it was great. I'm so glad I did it. I even spent a summer there um, when 
I was in college to do an internship at a, a network there. And that is actually when I found out. It's so funny. Um, people say I have journalism in my blood. I never knew it. So my mother's side of the family, uh, she comes from the Zuberi family, which is a pretty well-known family in Pakistan. And I didn't realize until I was there that they run a media conglomerate. Um, and they have a news channel just like Fox. Mm -hmm. And I was having chai with one of my aunts and I was working at the competitor station. And she looked at me and she said, what are you doing at GOTV? And I said, well, <laughs> it's the number one cable network. Right. And she said, well, why aren't you working for hours and I'm like hours so then she told me all about it and I always knew we had journalists in the family professors of journalism print journalists but I had no idea we were linked to this huge network so um, yeah journalism runs in my family and um, in my blood and I'm just really honored that I get to work here where freedom of press is such a fact of life mm -hmm. where it's not in the rest of the world yeah um, last thing on, on on this part of your life but you know I, I follow you on Instagram and I see you in these <laughs> absolutely amazing um, Pakistani dresses oh, and thank you. you know going to weddings or going mm -hmm. to so so tell me about wearing the sort of traditional dress of your of your the country where you were born and sort of what that means to you yeah my culture is beautiful it's mm. so special it's not just because of all the colors and all the you know jewelry and things like that but it really um, is a neat way for me to still connect with who I am so coming here um, as a first generation I, I I wouldn't even call myself first, I think zero generation, mm -hmm. um, because I wasn't born here. It's, um, you have an identity crisis, right? I mean, and for many, many years growing up, I had to figure out who am I gonna be? Am I gonna be American or am I gonna be Pakistani? And it was always, you know, Pakistani food at home, but then burgers and fries with friends, you know, outside. I wasn't allowed to date. I wasn't allowed to wear shorts. I wasn't allowed to do a lot of things, go to prom when I was growing up. So it was always this question of who do I wanna be? And then finally in my 20s, I decided, well, I'm just going to be whoever I want to be. And I'm just going to do a hodgepodge and mix it up. And it's very American. <laughs> it's very American. <laughs> and um, I and those are and I love parts of my culture that are about, you know, not only fashion, because I love fashion, but music and poetry. Poetry is a really important part of my culture. And so, um, yeah, I try to share it with my followers and share it with everybody else, because um, it's it also helps people understand different parts of the world. And growing up in Indiana, I was often the first Muslim that people would meet. I was often the first, I mean, just even somebody from Pakistan that people would meet. So it's all, I love having that conversation and opening up a different part of the world for people. The Untold Story continues right after this. So, you know, obviously there are so many different tradition, uh, religions that are tradition in this country. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are, people of all faiths whose parents did not let them do certain things, yeah. right? Whether it's whether you're Christian or Jewish or Muslim. But what was that like for you growing up in Indiana where I'm sure there was a ton of focus on the senior prom oh, that yeah. you couldn't go? Why couldn't you go? Yeah. And, and how did you feel about it? Well, I think a lot of conservative uh, home parents out there would understand my parents um, in that they didn't want me to run away with a boy. Mm -hmm. um, but um, <laughs> I even tried to trick my mom. I went to a prom... Um, dress shop and I put on this beautiful purple gown and then I called her to pick me up 
and I was standing there wearing the gown and I said, Mom, can I go? Oh. And she said, you look beautiful, but no. <laughs> That's not easy for a mom. She no. must have felt, felt terrible. And about she feels it. terrible now because now she gets it. But um, look, I understand them completely. A lot of things I didn't like when I was growing up, but I think about what my parents were going through, right? Um, having to learn a brand new language, learn the way you know Americans function and mm-hmm. how to just survive in this brand new world, yeah. not knowing a lot of people. And all you're trying to do is hold on to your kids and make sure that they don't stray, that they don't forget who they are and they don't, you know, go in, you know, we talk about fentanyl all the time. Back then it was, you know, every other drug. And so they were just trying to protect us. And so I I understand it now, but yeah, it was tough. And um, I, one of my best friends was a um, Baptist preacher's daughter. So she and I really She was in the it. same boat. Exactly. <laughs> she, was. she was. We both wanted to get away with a lot, but we got away with nothing. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's interesting. I think it's hard for parents. And, and you know, there's so many different measures of how parents have to demonstrate their love by sometimes mm-hmm. saying no. Mm-hmm. And I, I recently tweeted something about this that I just think parents have to learn to say no to social media for their young children. And their children will not like them for it. But the fact of the matter is that they will love them for it later. My parents had to learn how to say I love you. Yeah. So I didn't hear I love you until my 20s. I mean, it's it. I know it's like hard to understand, but they didn't hear that growing mm-hmm. up. It just wasn't said. It wasn't a thing. Doesn't mean it wasn't felt. It w- yeah, exactly. They would have given their lives for me, of but um, I knew they loved me. But I kind of had to train them, and I I would call my mom and start saying it. At first, uh-huh. it was you know giggles. Then it was oh thank you. Then it was <laughs> you too. And now she cannot get off the phone without. I love you, I love you, I love you, oh. and then lots of kisses, and it's so cute. Both my parents are like that now. I love So that it's story. all about just, you know, over time, um, embracing, you know, the American culture, I think for immigrants, really slowly, kind of walking slowly into the water, but there's so many beautiful parts of the American culture that I think we've just sucked in and made, you know, part of us. I love that story about the evolution of saying I love you. It took a while. You know, I mean, sometimes I think Americans are overly expressive. (laughs) But, um, you know, I, I think that story is so beautiful, really, of kind of learning a different language in a different country mm-hmm. in terms of the way people express their emotions to each other. And like I said, it didn't mean that they didn't love you just right. because they didn't say it, as you know, more than anyone. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I have a friend who is Pakistani and all three of his children uh, are in arranged marriages, mm-hmm. essentially. They live here. What are your thoughts on arranged marriage? <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> I'm fascinated. I love hearing My parents have been trying to arrange my marriage for since I can remember. Yeah. Um, but they've recently given up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm still single. I, I've gone through a couple of different matchmakers. And um, in the beginning, I hated the concept because I was this like very young, rogue, uh, rebellion um, girl who just wanted to like find my own love, you know, walk into somebody on the street mm-hmm. or whatever. And um, uh, their concept of arranged marriage um, makes sense to me now because it really is all about, you know, doing it the right way, protecting the girl, making sure that there is a time frame because a lot of girls get strung along. And so Mm -hmm. it does, all of those things make sense to me now. Um, But yeah, I mean, 
I, I think it's a great concept. Not, nobody in my immediate family was arranged, which this is why I find it so funny. My parents weren't arranged. They fell in love at a wedding, mm-hmm. saw each other, boom. It was, you know, love at first sight. But then sight. did the parents step right in and say, okay, we either they approve got or we to, disapprove? Yes, they yeah. immediately stepped in. There was no dating right. the way that we think about it. It was very, um, it was a courtship and it was very monitored <laughs> heavily. Um, my brother, same way. Um, fell in love with his wife and my sister as well fell in love with her husband and he fell in love first mm-hmm. and um so they're sort of all looking at me like what's wrong with you and why can't you just have do you have like a meet cute story and um so we've tried everything it hasn't worked out maybe an arranged marriage will work for me one day i don't know but um i i understand i would it imagine your bar it. is very high <laughs> and understandably so we don't, I don't know. want you it's settling getting, for just anybody lower and lower as we go <laughs> <laughs> well i think it's fascinating because i i think there are some good arguments for it honestly as a parent of three kids who are all in their 20s sometimes I would actually really like to just step in and arrange their marriages um, (laughs) because you feel you know the older I get the more I think that you know parents do kind of have a sense of you know they know what makes a marriage work right and And when you take out the love which you're all you hopefully are going to love your spouse forever but when you take out the infatuation which Mm -hmm. eventually goes away anyways they know the values and the core pieces that make a marriage work I mean my, my parents have been together for 40 years now so I think they know what works but at the same time the child has to be a part of it. That was never, that was a no-brainer. They were mm-hmm. always going to ask me. I went through a couple of different guys and it was always up to me whether I wanted mm-hmm. to keep it going or not. And I just don't think I was, when I, we were doing this, I, I wasn't really ready for marriage. Right, so. right. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's really interesting because you see, you know, I, I think that it is easier when you have certain things in common, mm-hmm. like faith and background and all of that. Yeah. And growing up, I always felt like that didn't matter. You know, that I yeah. could marry someone who was a different religion. And totally. I used to always push back, at, you know, if my mother, well, why don't you, you know, what about this? What about that one? Who went to our church or who did this? No, 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 no. Right. Yeah. Well, no interest in that whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but. Well, my mom still has those. But, like she still wants, <laughs> she would love an Urdu speaking guy yes. from Pakistan, preferably, you know, Sayyid. We're Sayyid, which is um, the family of the prophet. And, you know, all these like different criteria. And I'm like, okay, okay, mom, (laughs) that's like one in a billion. (laughs) Let's like slow it down here. I don't know. I think I think he's out there. I know he's out there for you, Aisha. (laughs) Um, You know, just a quick thought. I I actually love talking to you about all of these really interesting, you know, personal things. So thank you for sharing them with us. You know, um, but what, how do you like working on the Hill and how has that transition been for you? Because you were always out in the field, you're yeah. on the front lines, all of those. What do you like better? What appeals to you? Yeah, I love the Hill because I always um, think of it like a university. Um, So before I came to Washington, I knew very little about politics at all in general. I mean, I kind of kept up with the headlines, but coming to the Hill, I think, is the best school Mm -hmm. you can go to to get your political education on not only the the. you know, people who are the players in the game, but also, you know, how politics works, like what game are they playing? What what challenges are there? What are they, you know, is it, do they really want to get something done or is this just a bunch of, you know, so there's a lot of, you know, a lot of bunch of, you know, and it's great because I bring that Midwestern perspective of, you know, I want to cut through all the BS and I want to get to the, to the, 
tell me, you know, can you get this done? What are these hearings? We see a lot of hearings oh, on Capitol boy. Hill, whatever comes out of them. So yeah. I hit the ground running when, you know, Kabul fell. That's when I started was mm-hmm. the weekend that Kabul fell. And it was great for me because we had all those oversight hearings about, you know, uh, the pullout. And um, those were the questions that I was asking, not just as a reporter, but as somebody from Indiana, like, you know, what are you going to do about it? Right. Who's going to, where's the accountability? So um, I think it's a, it's a great learning experience. And I love the people on the Hill. A lot of people to know. You're talking about 400 plus members and then um, their staff and aides. And so Chad Pergram helps a lot. <laughs> oh my gosh. Chad is such a treasure to yes. all of us at Fox News. And, you know, I was thinking when you talked about learning kind of the ropes up there, you know, just the most basic things like, well, that vote wasn't really a vote on the vote. That was just <laughs> to vote to see if we're going to proceed forward with the so vote. So you understand. And, absolutely. And I, and I think, um, you know, Chad is just such a great wealth of information. Head. And he yeah. he embraces, you know, each new person who comes along yeah. to the Hill. He's been there a long time. Um, and I remember him when I first started giving me a, this intense tour, which I just soaked up. It was so fascinating. So, um, yeah, he's, I don't know what we, it is like a university. It's the University of Chad. Yes, program. it is. <laughs> Aisha, thank you so much. You're welcome. What a pleasure to talk to you. And I know our listeners are just going to love learning more about you and who you are and what makes you tick. So, um, thank you for your time. I know you're super busy. And um, again, we're so grateful to have you as part of the team. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You've been listening to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Make sure to rate and review. For more podcasts, go to foxnewspodcast.com. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.